Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. Sorry to interrupt your ceremony. It's nothing personal. I just want to devour your god. This is like some gravity treatment. M-O-L-M-M. That feels apocryphal, but I'll take it. No, that's true. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I mean, that is made for undiscerning days. I'll just auto-tune that, put a little guitar solo at the end. Perfect. All right. Six hours later. Y'all done got digly pain. You done got digly pain. Welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that relies heavily on Jason being the tutorial for the rest of us. Thanks, man. I'm your host, Ben Helms, and with me as always is my DSLR toting, speed skate loving, man of war capturing co host and big brother, assistant to the professor, Dr. Jason Helms. How's it going, man? You don't capture the the man of wars. No, you. You're, you're supposed to not do it. That's the, oh, that's you, the whole oh, you thing. No, you them? don't take pictures of the Man of Wars. Oh, oh man, I kept getting that buzzer every yeah. time. And you thought it was I a good buzzer. I got so many buzzers. Yeah, it was a normal good yeah, buzzer. Yeah, exactly. God, that buzzer. Right. That buzzer. Right. That, I did something good that again. That buzzer is bad. Oh, that hurts. I hurt, it hurts every time. Well, I thought it was a good one. Uh, hey, Jay. Yeah. Question. So what if I told you we took the art style of Paradise Killer, combined it with the simple level objectives of Tony Hawk Pro Skater type game and built it into a first-person shooter style where the gun is actually a camera and the goal of the game is to take the best photos possible with the only judge of the quality of those photos being you. I would tell you it's a better game than the one I just played, but not by much. Oh my Because, <laughs> wow. I gotta tell We're you. start starting out hot. I gotta tell you, I heard that pitch. Okay. And that pitch, that is 110%. That is A++++. That's a lot, a lot of good and, stuff there. And I played this game and it was at a high 95, right? It wow. might get up to 96, 97. It was a really... It got really good really ratings. Really good yeah, game. Yeah. I really liked it. Yeah. But I did this to myself by thinking it was going to be my favorite game of all time. And I was like... We do that. We do that sometimes. I also played it on the Switch on my couch. And I don't think that was the way to do it. I think I, I really should have committed and pulled up a, a computer and just, just played it that way. Uh, played it in, oh, yes. in its native habitat, yeah. uh, FPS style. And I also, finally, I think I should have played it when it came out. And I think that's one of the biggest issues is when it was an undiscovered well, gym, I would have oh, been yeah. I would have been the loudest, yeah. most annoying person about how good this game is. Yeah. And now that I've heard all of them, I was like, well, I mean, it was good. I really liked it. Uh, but it wasn't as life-changing as you You're said. Cool. And it's like, uh, oh, I wish I, I wish I would have stayed away. Um, stayed away like Corey did today. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she will be missed. She'll be back next month, though. But yes, Corey, we do miss you. Uh, we'll talk more about why Corey's not here maybe later. But uh, but yeah, two things about that. One thing is you were the one that taught me, like a lot of things I've learned in life. Jason was the one that taught me, good and bad. Uh, to And I think it was on the way to see Lord of the Rings, the first one, Midnight Showing. No, no, you know what it was? What? 100% it was this. It was after spending four nights. I only spent one or two nights at... After spending four nights to get tickets and seats for the Phantom Menace. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, after seeing Phantom Menace, you and Michael Conrad and I walked away from that being like, what did we see? I was 13, I believe. It was a 99, right? So uh, early 99. And so I was like, that was so cool. Lightsabers are awesome. And I was, there was like a hush in the crowd as we saw this like 10 miles away from uh, from Skywalker Ranch. Yeah everyone's diehard and they spent several evenings there to see this at the listener. You have to understand there was a lightsaber fight in the theater that people had choreographed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it was prepared. It wasn't two jackasses just like hammering at each other. They had prepped 
for weeks for this, and they performed yes. for us before, just as part of the audience. They were dressed as Darth Maul, yeah. who they'd only seen in previews yep. from Meet Joe Black seven months before good. that Jason went to see and only good, stayed good for the preview. previews. Good preview. Wow, what a bad movie. Anyway, all of that to say, I remember when we left, Jason and Michael, who were four years older than me, Michael was Jason's best friend, Jason's best friend in, in high school, and you guys just being like, yeah, like... I feel like if our expectations were like a little lower, we would have loved that movie. Yep. And me just thinking you guys were hating on the movie, but that's exactly right. If you come into that movie being like, this is going to be a fun, like space action movie, then like episode one is going to be a fun time. Yep. If you come at it being like, I need more empire strikes back in me, it's going to be a tough time. So anyway, uh, and then, so yeah, I think you're right with the expectations that, that is huge for me. And almost every movie I go to every game I play, I try to be like, you know what? What if this is terrible? Yeah. Like that's, I try to make that my last thought, like as the credits go or as the title happens, I'm like, here we go. And I try to like keep it low. So I'm always surprised and always encouraged. What are you gonna say? Yeah. So first off, hundred percent and in the service of setting expectations appropriately for our audience. Uh, first off, not going to spoil anything for you. I'm glad I crapped on it to start with so that your expectations will be a little bit lowered, but I will tell you, I think just about anyone would like this game. It's a really good game. And it's mm-hmm. going to make you think you're going to have... I, I, I'm i not going to say you're going to have fun. There's some fun moments, but it's not a game about having fun necessarily. Sure. sure and sure. it's really gorgeous. I really love the art in this game. Yeah. it's It does some beautiful stuff with uh, some some kind of janky looking graphics, but the art design is just so gorgeous. It doesn't just make the most of that jank. It like makes it look like it could only work with that jank. Um. And I would recommend it to anyone and say, stop listening now, because we will spoil the crap out of it. And there is at least one or two twists along the way that you don't want to yeah. have spoiled. Gotcha. Uh, and I'll just say, pick it up, play it. it. It won't take you more than four or five hours to beat the whole thing. And don't, don't look to try and beat it and race through it. Just interact with this world. Hang out. Have fun. It's, it's just a cool game for just, just vibing with. Um, but definitely don't do it while you're doing something yeah. else. Pay attention to it, because it has some stuff it wants to do. And then the second thing was simply the, the same advice again advice from jason helms is key in my life uh when i started playing breath of the wild i got a few hours in and you're like hey, have you played it on your screen yet and i was like i just played it on my switch you're like throw it up on the tv i did and it was twice as good on the big screen so for whatever reason some games and i switch users know this i guess is that some games work in the hand and some are two in the bush there you go some work better on screens nailed it <laughs> so this one is much better two in the bush yep. aka on the big screen uh, it, I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't play it on the five inch screen for whatever reason. I needed it on the on the flat screen. I gave myself a, a crick in my neck from playing it on the five inch screen. A crick? Yeah, a crick. Oh my goodness! I'm so sorry. Like a like a small creek. Yes, a creek in the south. Because because you gotta you gotta twist the switch to get the photo perfect. Yeah. And so I would find myself kind of watching a Giants game and playing this, and like just notice my body suddenly, and I was like hunched over, like leaning off the couch, trying to get the perfect photo, and I'm like, you don't have to do this. You just kind of twist it sideways. Just sit where you were normally. Yep. But it's like my whole body would get into it. Man. Uh, so we should mention today we're talking about the amazing game Umurangi Generation. <laughs> no. Oh, no, man. No, we've got to put it. We got to put in a drop or something to get that in earlier. There's no way we waited that long. That's yeah. Terrible. No, people clicked on it. They we're know monsters. what's happening. We're monsters. Anyway, we're going to talk about the development of the game and how it was pretty much one person made this. And that's amazing. Uh, we're we're going to talk about, of course, our experiences playing the game. Uh, then we'll play a flavorsome round of what's the drink, what's the song, and a bunch of other fun stuff, including picking next month's game, uh, and which actually Corey picked out. So hopefully that means she's coming back to the pod. 
we miss her. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's get into the, the development of the game. Uh, it came out for Switch in June, so just yes. a few months ago. came out for PC last year, uh, but I th- it definitely kind of blew up again when it came out for Switch because it got a whole yeah. new audience. Oh, and, uh, and new, it was, yeah. new DLC came out, I think in the fall. I think it was around December. Oh, was um, it? Okay. And then it was included with the Switch package. That's what I got. Exactly right. Yep. Uh, and I, I think, I can't remember how you pitched it to me, Jay, but everywhere I saw it pitched was... Jet Set Radio. Jet Set, right. Jet Set Radio, which is a game I hadn't thought about since I was 15. Right. But it's a game that I think we rented at Blockbuster or something. Uh, but it was a, or from... On what? I think I PlayStation. Nick had a PlayStation. I borrowed it for a summer. It wasn't on PlayStation. What was it? It was Dreamcast, I think, or Saturn. Then I, I played it with PJ. Yeah. That makes sense. PJ's, I he's my it. only friend with the Dreamcast. I yeah, never played it. Was. Yeah. yeah. My buddy PJ was all about the Dreamcast. Yeah. Uh, we play Echo the Dolphin and we <laughs> play Jet Set Radio. Oh, you can download it for PS Vita. I might go do that. Oh, there you that go. Doesn't sound terrible. It sounds like a nice, nice afternoon. But yeah, it was a game where all I remember from it, going back to Tony Hawk, it would basically you you skate around and you graffiti things and you cross things out and you kind of are delinquent and it's great. Uh, and it's more focused on I think the art than the crime, but both happen at the same time, which is always great. Um, I guess art doesn't always happen with crime, but it's best when it does. Where am I going here? I disagree. There's actually a chapter in my book about you're, how art only happens with crime. So. Uh, you're welcome. Hey, kids, read my book about comics and somehow crime. Awesome. Like I said, it's FPS, but instead of shooting with a gun, you have a camera the whole time. and You can kind of pick the camera up and down as you shoot things. You pick it up and you can change the aperture, the focus, the zoom. But the acronym the still works. The acronym still works. It's still a first person shooter. Yes, that's true. But now the you're film shooter. You're shooting a camera. Yes. So instead of like a war simulator or a shooting simulator, it's a photography simulator. Mm, but it does accurate. have, you know what? Now you mention it, it does have some war elements, right? There are soldiers oh, here. Oh yeah, lots of reference to soldiers. Lots of soldiers actually there. You have to take pictures of some at some points. But it's yeah. it's a war from the point of view you never get to see in games, which is everyone's, mm-hmm. everyone else's point of view with the war happening around them. It's kind of like a red badge of courage type vision of the war. The war, except you don't get a gun. You don't get a gun. <laughs> I never read carry this flag. I, I've never read that book. Is that what he does? He, he carries. A I think flag? he carries a flag and like, I, I'm pretty, I, yeah, I read it in like sixth grade or whatever, as they were indoctrinating me into the army. I was going to say it's, it's probably a little bit less pro war than I imagined red badge of courage was, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, I thought you meant red badge of courage. Wasn't no. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're exactly no, no. right. Okay. I think the momentous thing in the, in the spoilers for red badge of courage. Okay. Circa I don't, 1912 or whatever. Uh, it was the, the main character, like dropping his flag and getting shot and like picking his flag up again and like running across. I don't know if that's right. That might not be right, but like him leading his regiment. And I think a lot of there's like deserters. Maybe he deserts at one point and comes back. There's a lot of stuff that happens, but yeah, war, war is good. was my takeaway from that book. So right. right. Uh, Anyway, the game, (laughs) not red Badge of courage. That'd be a, I'd play that game, but um, spoiler alert for the entire game, for everything that happens from now on. All right. I told you already, stop listening. It's a good game. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to love this game. It's a cheap um, game. It's not a long game, and it's it's a good time. And the people who made it are good people uh, mm-hmm. who, who think good things politically, and the game is about those, and you will enjoy it. Objectively good things. Eh, I, I, <laughs> I think being against cops in general is uh, is maybe objectively good, but go on. I, I will, wow, Jason, just going for it. The game, Umurangi Generation, uh, was designed and created by Maori developer Naftali Faulkner. Uh, he goes by Tali, and also his Twitter handle is Veselikov, which I think a lot of people call him Vess. 
Uh, and the game takes place on the onset of a kaiju apocalypse. But it doesn't tell you that. In fact, you don't realize don't that until, like, it, I don't know, level four or five. Yeah, you, you realize it when you realize it, right? Because even at level four or five... I'm like, what are those? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's only in the DLC that it gets really explicit. Uh, in the DLC... Ben, did you play the DLC at all? Yeah, I played most of it. No, okay. I didn't play the last one. You, you can jump on giant mech's heads uh, in the DLC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that's cool. There's an I didn't realize what that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. The giant Gatling guns oh, and stuff. Yeah, yeah that's sweet. Yeah, that's there's, sweet. there's some Avas there. It's it's great. Uh, but yeah, it, it really slow plays that information, which is why I tossed the spoiler in there. Um, because when you get to it, it's like, oh, that's what I've been doing? And adds to the sense that that war and most of life is just confusion. You don't get to see the bigger picture. You're distracted yeah. by all of these smaller things. Holy shit, I think I realized the, the thesis statement of Umarangi Generation, which is that it's so difficult to see the bigger picture. Because you're just one person with a camera. You're just there. Yeah. Get it? Bigger picture. Right? Right? I'm blowing my own mind. Wow. That's good. That's great. Uh, so, um, Faulkner is a member of the Ngai Te Rangi Iwi. Uh, Iwi is a uh, tribe, is a Maori tribe, Maori group. Um, and you can see tons of Maori culture throughout yeah. the game. Uh, but cool. this is, it's tough to talk to you about, like, if you haven't played this game, it's tough to yeah. talk to you about how you're going to get this information communicated to you. It's all right. in environmental design, right? It's all environmental storytelling. An extremely open world. Yeah, completely. As far as, like, each level, there's no beginning. And, I guess there is a beginning and end point where you can do literally anything in between. Yep. Um, and, and so let, just real quick, let's give the two-minute version of what the gameplay is like. Yeah. You got a camera. You take pictures of stuff. You're told that you've got some bounties, and uh, it'll say something like, take a picture that has two markers in it. So you find two markers, and you take a picture, and it goes, bounty completed. And whenever you get all of your bounties completed, you get to turn in your film, and the level is done. And I say mm-hmm. that to say you can – that the level is then very, very open. And yet one thing I noticed yeah. is these bounties were not chosen as ran- at random. They actually push you to explore the level. So t- sometimes there will be kind of a hidden area of the level uh, that it feels really good to find. To be like, oh, you can go up here? And you find like a yeah. whole other level. Um, but you won't be able to complete the bounties until you discover that area anyway. And so it's, right. it's being really smart about like just slowly guiding you through the level, slowly pulling you along. Yeah, man, that's that, there was definitely some thing, like doors that opened up and things that happened that I was just like, did this open the whole time? Like I wasn't sure if it was me or if it was the level changing the further I got, uh, which was never frustrating. It was always like, oh, yeah, obviously this thing's right next to me. I thought it was really well done. Uh, we should mention, yeah, that Umurangi is Te Reo, which is a Maori, the Maori language. For Red Sky uh, in English. Uh, but yeah, Faulkner built the entire game in eight to ten months entirely, other than the music, built it entirely by himself. Uh, and it was scored by Adolf Nomura, who goes by Thor High Heels or Thor on YouTube. And that's actually how Faulkner found Thor by just like l- l- designing and, and developing next to his or with his music on and then reached out to him and was like, hey, can I use some of your music for the game? That's awesome. And so that's how they got in touch. And he's like, of course I will. Yeah. Good music. It's pretty awesome music. It fits real well. It's got a, it's got a dolphin DJ. I mean, it's good music. It does. It was, oh, I thought it was a shark. I think I'm going to go with dolphin. A dolphin cooler. Yeah, that's fair. It's smarter. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Faulkner said the idea of the game originally came from teaching one of his nieces how to shoot on his DSLR, how to shoot photos. And he realized that teaching her how to shoot photos was just as fun as playing a video game. And it was kind of like a tutorial in itself we kind of came into this game of how do I make a game that's basically teaching someone how to shoot photos. And when you teach someone to shoot photos, there's no like, 
all right, here's how you win at photography. You make sure you will get like the, right. the rule of threes down. You have this nice contract. You get contrast in there. You have the histogram exactly with the peak in the middle. Like it's like, hey, shoot what's cool. You think that's interesting? Yeah. Shoot it. Get a weird Dutch ah, angle, whatever. But that's not to that's not to say there are no rules. Okay. Because this is a game that does teach you rules with photography, and it all stems from the School of Respectful Design. Yes, yeah. Uh, which is a philosophy pioneered by Norm Sheehan, an Aboriginal designer from Australia. And you get subtle hints at this. Yeah. Now, Ben, you did more research on yeah, this, yeah, so feel yeah. free to you know jump in with more. But you get subtle hints at this at two things. One, during the first part of the game, you're not allowed to take pictures of blue right, bugs, right. which are uh, like jellyfish, man of war. Portuguese man of war, yeah. Yeah. And during the and we can talk about why that might be. And you're never told why. In fact, you're explicitly said this will make sense later. Yeah. Does it? Will it? Um, <laughs> yeah. If you go and if you go and sit in your room and reflect. Yes. Perhaps, yes. Uh, the DLC connects some of these dots for you. Yep. Perhaps. Yeah. In that uh, in the DLC, the rule changes. Now you can no longer take pictures of photo- of protesters faces. That's right. And so. Which is, that's a really smart one, right? That's that great. one gets a you a sense of what respectful design more is. More explicit as to why and everything. Yeah, there's no metaphor there. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think, I thought the idea of respectful design, which is a term I hadn't heard of, but I love, it's it's focused on decolonization. And that's a term that I honestly had heard before, but hadn't really done much research or read about until early 2020, after George Floyd and his dad, his murder. And just kind of like, dove into kind of like what why are we here why are all these people here why am i here what have i what is my existence done to the people around me my the generations of people before me what is colonization and just realizing how pervasive being from a colonized country or i mean I, so many countries are but i guess yeah and and being part of colonization being a colonizer right. from the colonizer, colonizer side yeah, yeah totally yeah exactly so anyway enough about me uh respectful design uh, just Departs from traditional design in that, as Faulkner says, um, it's it says agency is with a community, not the designer who comes in. And for this game, the players, I should quote, for this game, the players or the community decide how they want to take photos and what is a good photo, not the game, which is the design, which I that blew my mind. I thought that was such a cool metaphor for the idea that he's trying to get across, literally taking photos with whatever you want to get done. And there's these loose guidelines, loose objectives of, of like photos and things you should take photos of, but you can take them in whatever manner you want to do and giving the agency to the player and just letting them kind of decide how they want to play this game, what this game is going to be. So especially in a medium, and I read this in a few places and I'll link to them, this idea that I'm going to talk about. It's definitely not an original idea, but my, my take from it was in a medium where uh, video games where colonization is so often the core concept for the protagonist. If you think about, I could say almost every game, right? Where the call of duty is the most obvious one. When you're talking about Assassin's Creed, you can talk about breath of the wild. Even uh, we're talking about all of these Aboriginal people and creatures of the land that you're trying to just destroy, whatever it might be. But that's such a core concept and setting it's just overlooked completely as a philosophy to even unpack by so many games and designers and, and producers Faulkner decided that instead of making a game simply about taking cool photos, which was kind of his original idea when he was got that idea from his niece, he wanted to actually address an issue that most other games just ignore or accept, or even probably most often condone, which is just colonialism. And it's just like, that's the thing we live with and let's keep pursuing it. And, and this is a chance for us to say, why can't you take pictures of jellyfish in this game? Mm-hmm. Why is that a, bad, a yeah. bad look? I sent you that. Um, 
I was going to say, saying the paragraph from that the article, I had to read that like three times to unpack it. Well, I think there's two readings. Okay. Right. So the paragraph from that article is one thing. And, and, and let me go into that real quick. Yeah. But the, the key thing to know about Portuguese man of war is that it's a uh, colonial organism. Got it. Right. It's not a single creature. It's a bunch of creatures together that are distinct things that are living together and performing different roles in that system. Right. And so the way that the article was looking at it was with the uh, Portuguese man of war as a symbol of colonialism. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think that that goes with the game in some ways in that when you first see the kaiju, there are these giant Portuguese man of wars. They're like eight feet tall. Least, that like yeah, now yeah. you've got to like really avoid them. And if you touch one, you die. Right. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it does feel like this invasion. Right. Right. Um, I think there's another read, though, about um, respectful design, which is for respectful design. It's about the community. Uh, agency is with the community. The Portuguese Man of War is an example of how agency exists within a community. Mm-hmm. People perform different roles towards a similar end and something that helps all of them together. Yeah. Right. And so I think you see that parallelism when you don't take pictures of the protesters faces. Right. Right. And so are you by not photographing the Man of War, are you protecting the Man of War uh, or is it just a bad look? Because this is not something you want preserved. I'm going with the protecting. That's the yeah. read I've got on it because yep. that's the only other one that has that negative. Yep. You can take tons of pictures of the kaiju. Also, I'm not sure that this game views kaiju necessarily as bad. Most of the graffiti is about how evil the UN is. Most of the graffiti is about yeah. colonialism yes. and about oppressive military forces. And perhaps the kaiju is the chickens coming home to roost. Oh. Perhaps the kaiju is the consequences of what we have done. Well, the consequences of, of colonialism, of what the... Of colonialism. The, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. particularly climate change. Um, so, Umurangi, the, the reference, the red sky. Yeah. Originally, that's about uh, wildfires in yep. Australia. When this game was being developed, obviously. Right. The, when, yeah. when Faulkner was making this game, uh, wildfires were ripping across Australia. By the time you listen to this, it will be a different country, or maybe Australia again, that you just heard about wildfires ripping across. Yeah. Because it is happening everywhere and has been for years yep. and will continue to increase. Um, it was about climate change and it was about being the generation after the climate changed, being a generation that remembers what it was like before and what is it like to grow up? So this isn't written from Faulkner's point of view. It's written from his nephews and nieces points of view. Um, it's written by, for the younger generation, but he's, he's also thinking of, other forms of ecological disaster. Mm-hmm. He's thinking of the consequences of capitalism, of colonialism, of racism, yep. of a lot of different ideologies meshed together into a giant machine. And so I think the kaiju, one way of looking at it is this is the Earth's defense system. This is the Earth fighting back against not necessarily humans, yeah. but against exploitation, yeah. against humans committing atrocities. Um, and there's some graffiti that, that points towards that, 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 that gives that read. And also the government who was responsible, if not entirely for the, the kaiju, at least it's a, um, a manifest or a, a consequence of the actions of the government, right? It's an, it's a, a consequence of neglect, if nothing else, right. if not right. a direct a, uh, reaction to it. Um, but also the government using people that it was meant to protect to protect itself. From yes. the consequences of its own actions. Yes. Just. Yep. Yeah, there's a quick, quick tangent here just to shout yeah. out Falguni Sheth and her book, Towards a Political Philosophy of Race, where she talks about 
uh, government and the state as a kind of organism. Mm-hmm. And one of its defense mechanisms is the concept of race itself. Yes. That it is put up to protect itself and protect the status quo. And I think that's such an interesting read. So go check out her book. It's very academic, very dry in some places, but such an interesting, exciting idea. Um, not, not necessarily a particularly hopeful one, yeah. I'll say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's something pessimistic to that. Um, but yeah, similarly, what's the defense me- mechanism of Earth then? Uh, maybe giant kaiju. Maybe, man. And I don't think we can make any mechs. Definitely not. It's like you haven't even been watching the Olympics. <laughs> it's not. Michael Phelps is our mech. No, Katie no, Ledecky got, is our mech. They got Gundams in the background, dude. Oh, I did see. You that. really That's haven't right. been watching. Yeah, that. That's right. They got Gundams that NBC is That's is wrongfully tagging as Transformers. As Transformers. That's right. That's right. Oh my gosh! How dare them? Is it bad that when they said Transformers, I was like, I don't get it. What's wrong with this? That's, yeah, that's, that's not a Transformer. A Transformer. That's a- I mean, that's what I said. I knew immediately. Dude, dude, dude. One. Rick and Morty had a Voltron episode last week. Oh, two, dope. Two. That got me to Google Voltron and find out that there was a Voltron uh, Returns cartoon that ran from 2016 to 2018. It had like yeah. eight seasons. It was like it was critically acclaimed. Totally critically How acclaimed. How have I not watched this? I love Voltron. They, shout out to Tested. Uh, they talked about oh. all. They loved Voltron. Yeah. All right. So this sets up the Voltron rewatch. You and me. Yeah. We're doing it. Dude, I've heard good things. I'm down. Yeah, after you yes. got me on Gravity Falls, I've watched every episode of Gravity Falls at least three or four times, except you, for the so last except it? for the last three episodes. Because what we do is we watch. This will be in my recommendation station. We watch like a couple new episodes, and then we go back and watch like the whole thing, and like watch their favorites, yep. their favorite yep. scenes, favorite parts, and then we'll watch a new episode, and then we'll go backwards again. Yep. But I'm kind of savoring it. I'm trying. I don't want to like yep. speed through. I'm, I'm into it. So one yeah. thing that, that we do when we get to the end of the show, so gravity falls, as soon as it finished, like the girls were beside themselves. Yeah. Like it can't be done. It's only two seasons and we need more. And they wanted to go back and start it over. And I actually pushed them to resist that and said, what about if we start to watch Shira instead? Yeah. Here's a show that I think you might like move them on to a different show. Right now. That's not to say don't return to whatever, but return to it. But I think it's really important to go through that grieving process when a show ends, Yeah. particularly for kids and particularly for this show. It hasn't any, it wants to say that. And so I think you're doing the right thing. Put it off, put it off. And then once you do, maybe you can get them to sit for, with it for a moment and yeah. not necessarily move on to a new show, but at least take, take a day or two before you can watch it again because yeah. it, as a show, it has such a good ending. Oh, I'm so excited. And it just lets you sit with that. I, I know it ended after two seasons, so I wasn't, that's what I wasn't sure if it was going to have like a Firefly thing where it was like, see you next week, and it just stops. Nope. But they knew they were canceled or there wasn't, it well, wasn't think, going on. I think it's the last four episodes are They're the Weird Mageddon one, two, three, weird four. Weird Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, we could go to Shira next. I'm just really excited after Gravity Falls. We could go to like Inherent Vice or V or just more. Hit up the whole. Is that Heinlein or that's uh, Pinchon? Pinchon. Hit up more Pinchon novels after Gravity yeah. Gravity's Rainbow. Um, yeah, there you go. Did I call it that once? I've called I'm it sorry. that half the time. So many I've times. Never okay. Read Gravity's Rainbow. So anyway, to finish up development before Umurangi. Faulkner had worked on just smaller 2D apps and community projects with other uh, with Aboriginal groups, uh, but this he says this is kind of the first thing I ever created. This is the first game he'd ever worked on, and he did it pretty much all himself. Uh, but yeah, he pushed against the ideas of like cyberpunk and vaporwave, which I think from Stills, that's exactly what I thought. Right? I, I mentioned yeah. um, what's the game? Oh, Paradise Killer. I mean, yeah, I mentioned Paradise Killer, and the Stills are not identical but very similar styles, and he kind of pushes against that. He doesn't want to say, oh, this is like a hyper stylized version of the 80s. Instead, it's just a 
maybe a slightly stylized version of a shitty future is his quote. Yeah. Shitty future. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of the genre of the setting, the setting of the, of the game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, although it's, it does have the aesthetic of the very like synth wave outrun feel to it. Um, but yeah, it was hard to not just like say to just search when I was thinking of my, my song for what's the drink, what's the song of just like search vaporwave music. Yeah. But then I looked at like the top 10 and I hadn't heard any of them. So I was like, okay, I can't just pick a random song that looks cool or sounds cool. Anyway, we'll get there eventually. Uh, let's get into the gameplay. I'm sure we've talked a lot about that. We're like, I don't know, half hour in, but let's get into it. Jason, my experience of playing this game, like most of the games, as I alluded to in the first sentence of this episode, was I started playing the game, I got overwhelmed, and I called you immediately. And let me just just say from the other side, yes, Ben feeling overwhelmed mm. sometimes communicates itself as anger, mm. and that anger feels like it's directed at you. Most things I do come across as anger. I've I've yes. discovered over ten years of marriage, yes, and many ex girlfriends before. You don't have coke. Well, then I guess I'll just get Pepsi. God damn it. That's fine. I'll have water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He means that's okay. I mean, wouldn't it be funny uh, if someone was actually angry about this? Isn't it funny? This is how funny isn't I it think funny? it is. Dude, this game's impossible. It doesn't work. This is so stupid. He never says, but you always feel, why did you choose this game? Why are you What's stupid? What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't It didn't take much pushing. Okay. Yeah. No, no. Not at all. Two minutes after talking to you, I was... I was I, Played for like two hours, so yeah. it was great. Yeah, I think I ended up liking the game more than you. I think so. I really, really like uh, it because I think you. I think because you knew less. Oh, um, <laughs> fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's because you're an idiot. I like then. the I like the pretty colors. <laughs> no, I, I, I like the pretty pew pew. I think it's because you had lower expectations. You hadn't, uh, okay. you hadn't been told knew more about. Was. Okay, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I think it's because I think it's because you're an idiot. Because you don't have the book learning. <laughs> cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, city boy! City boy! <laughs> oh, man. City boy! City boy! Uh, that's from Gravity's Rainbow Falls. Gravity's Rainbow Falls. Anyway, uh, I think you're right. Yeah, I went in pretty cold of just being like, well, this is a first-person shooter. I had no, I didn't know a camera was involved. And so, it, no tutorial. It throws you in. It's like, take a picture of these 10 things, but watch out for the, the uh, blue bottles. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Watch out for the blue bottles. I was like, I don't know what a blue bottle is. Yeah, it just says that. What's happening? This, this game's okay. This is one thing I got to get out, <laughs> okay, and I think it. it's probably totally fine. And I, I will think better of it, and it'll reflect poorly on me. Cool. This game is not written in American. <laughs> it's written in English, but it's not written in American. Sure. And there are so many times that it says something like Jerry can. Yes. Oh, and yeah, I spend yeah, yeah, an yeah, hour yeah. on a level that's supposed to take ten minutes, and finally I Google Jerry can, and I go gas can. Yeah. It's a it's a gas can. Yeah. Jerry can. Yeah, there's a bunch of, of uh, not pseudonyms, what's it called? Uh, um, colonialisms? Wow. Yeah. Colonialisms, that's it. There's a bunch of colonialisms. That's yeah, what it is, right? There's a bunch of colonialisms. Yeah, um, there's a bunch of colloquialism. I don't even, it's whatever the opposite of colloquialism, where I think it's really just like Americans don't know these words. Right. Because it's not just like, oh, this is obviously a Maori word or an Australian word or a New Zealand word. Like, no, I think it's just like in, an English thing that because we grew up in West America, we don't know. Well, it, like, and the Wikipedia entry for Portuguese Man of War says Portuguese Man of War, also known as Man of War, Blue Bottle, or Blue Bottle Jellyfish, or Floating right. Terror. Right. By the way, Floating Terror is a great name. That's dope. But it, it doesn't say that. And so I spent the first half, you know, five minutes trying to avoid bottles that were blue. 
Right. Of which I didn't see any and kept, kept getting buzzer sounds and couldn't figure out why until I figured out it was the jellyfish. Well, it has things like when you need to take a picture of 10 stemmed glasses, champagne glasses. It said, I think, 10 tall glass. Yep. And, and let like, me, you figure it out. But yeah, there's, it's, it's tough when it's not like directly in a, a way that we would say it. And I, I said that this might reflect poorly on me. Let me tell you why it does. It does. Right. It's it's not just my insistence that everything greet me in immediately the easiest American way for me. Yeah. That's part of it. But it's also my discomfort with being in a world that constantly yeah. says I am not for you. Right. Which is the the colonized experience or is part of it yeah. right? in, a, in, in a in a colony in a colonized world is uh, the the kind of constant barrage of colonialism that you're that you're treated with that you get. And I got a little taste and it pissed me off. Right. It was uncomfortable. Yeah. How dare you? How dare you make me think for two seconds? Right. Um, I don't think that was an accident. And I think there's so many things in this game. Yeah. This game feels really, really, really smart. Yeah. Really intentional. I, I, there's so many things in this game I really don't think are accidents. It would have been easy to make this game and kind of cut and paste levels and cut and paste art. And it's very custom. Everything is very, very intentionally made and set in a certain spot. And the way you have to get... We didn't even mention the... the the pictures and the objectives, a lot of times, I would say more than half of the objectives are take a picture of two tires and three of these or whatever it yep. might be. And you have to, you can only get those shots from like two different angles. So it takes 10 minutes to kind of figure out the level and another 10 to 20 minutes to kind of figure out what individual things are, what a blue bottle is, what the champagne glass is called and how to align everything with your five different lens, four different lens types. Yep. And all that where, yeah, it's it's very tightly scripted and all the different mechanics work really well together, I think. When you're making a game, uh, one thing that you make is textures, right? These are 2D things that can be put on top of 3D objects. And so um, if you played Portal, um, there is some graffiti you can discover that says the cake is a lie. And one thing that really, it was really minor, but I noticed about that game was you run across the same graffiti multiple times because it's a texture. Right? So even though they've got five different variations of the cake is a lie graffiti, they still reuse some of them. And the thing that blew me away was when you get to the final level of this, the level is absolutely covered in graffiti because mm. it's the protests just before the kaiju attack. Right. And you witness the kaiju attack during the protest. God, that game's gorgeous. I did not see one piece of graffiti that was reused in this entire game. Mm-mm. And that's amazing, the amount of, you know, focus the amount of work really small details when that's such an easy thing to do and yet it it wasn't about immersion it wasn't about like let's make this space feel real yeah it was let's make this place real yeah let's make it a real space that has real things in it that interact with you not so that you forget you're playing a video game but so you actually can think in the same way that you do in a real space so you can actually reflect on what these things mean uh because if the things are just repeating themselves then what's being communicated we can use repetition to communicate different things, but not just through graffiti. Yeah. Oh, you know what we should do? I don't know if that now's the time, but maybe we should go through the eight to ten, I think eight levels before the DLC. Yeah. And maybe not every single one, but kind of our own experiences of when did we realize there was a plot and how did we kind of start unwinding that and where we think the plots go? Because there's no like a lot of games have, which is like, this is where, you know, two years later, this happened, this happened. It's literally just like title of the level, which is the, the location name. And then you get to experience the level. There's no dialogue other than the, the the music. And there's no exposition at all, I don't think. I mean, as far as, like, explicitly said. 
Uh, the first level and the last level both take place on like a rooftop. I think it's like hanging out with your friends, right? Uh, the second level, except they're very different experiences the, the first time and the last time. So the first time, it's just like a bunch of stuff. You're learning the level. It's basically the tutorial level. Level two is the bunker where you just kind of like, there's a bunch of things that say property of the UN. There's a couple of people that are your friends and a couple of people that aren't your friends or from friends from the first level uh, that are like dancing and hanging out. And it's like the top of, I don't think it's the same skyscraper, but it's kind of a skyscraper type building where people are getting ready for battle. Right. There's like military helmets. There's guns lying around. There's people smoking. You can tell it's like normal, normal war stuff, guns and cigarettes. Uh, so at that point, I'm like, OK, so you're a war correspondent. You're getting ready for some yeah. sort of battle. I don't know how you got picked up in this. And the fact that your friends are there, I'm like, OK, maybe there was some sort of draft. I don't really know what's going on. Third level, I think, is the uh, one where you are on you're in like an alley. Or like the street level. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right, it's like, and it's it's like the streets as canyons, right? The streets yes. where power has been lost to some extent, and so it's pretty dark. Yeah, good call. Uh, the sky is doing most of the lighting work, and it really does feel like you're just navigating canyons of skyscrapers. Yep, cool. This is a cool level that has a lot of memorials. Yeah, around yep. it. So the first memorial you see, and this is like right when you start the level. There's lots of candles mm-hmm. all around. One of the bounties is take a picture with 15 candles yeah. in it or something like that. And so you've got to get 15 candles into a single shot. And so it's all about framing and getting the angle, and you're worried about that. And then suddenly you notice the graffiti next to you, and it says, Here is where, on 2847, Maxine from Lot 27 rose to protect us from kaiju invaders. Kia Kaha Moana. I don't know what, what that last part sure. means. Uh, it's, it's in Te Reo, I'm, I'm assuming. But um, that's the world building that they're doing at this point. Right, that's the first mention of kaiju you see. Right, and I love, I love this note so much. One, it gives you the year. Yeah, right. It gives you an idea of when this is happening. Uh, two, that year is in the past, and you don't know when. Right. We now know that this entire thing is not just a dystopia; it's post-apocalyptic. Right. Something happened. Right. Something big happened. Three, the story of Maxine from Lot Twenty Seven, and the fact that they don't know her last name. She's just Maxine from Lot Twenty Seven. And she she retains some kind of anonymity even while she's elevated to hero. Yeah, man. So yeah, very very dark level in a lot of ways. Uh, and then it goes to oh, then's the strand, which is the streets. So a little bit lighter. There's people kind of partying in the streets. Maybe there's been some sort of like pushback in the lines, for all you know. Uh, but this one's a little bit lighter in the streets. There's still UN people with guns guarding the doors and like and exits and entries. Uh, but it does seem less. Uh, depressing less dark than the uh, than the previous level uh and at that point i'm like oh maybe they won the war this this dude's not this guy me i'm not taking pictures of the battle anymore uh then it gets to the bunker and by the way let me let me make re- really clear the graffiti the game is really clear about its relationship to the un yes yeah yeah yeah. right there's tons of anti-un yes, graffiti all around and the bounties uh guide you toward them right you have to find at one point mm-hmm. property of un Sarcastic. sarcastic yeah yeah and so it's like what do you mean sarcastic, sarcastic property of un what do you what how's yeah, that about yeah. and so you find some graffiti that written on someone's helmet and you take a picture of it. And yeah. this is like contents property of un or something like that yeah, yeah. Okay. yep uh but then you get to contact aka Oto Mueta, uh which is the like things are exploding there's soldiers that are injured it's, it takes place at night and all you see are like the light from 
explosions and neon lights around, glow sticks around. And fire. And lots of fire. Lots of fire that you have to navigate. That you have to, that you realize is a, a uh, fighter jet that flew into the bunker that you were taking pictures of before. Now it's a very different type of bunker. Uh, And you're jumping around, taking pictures of things. And then soon you discover these giant, or are those man of war in the sky? Yeah, yeah, giant. Oh, in the in the sky, I don't know what those are in the sky, but they're jellyfish on, type. on the level. You find jellyfish that are like you can see up close. I thought they look like caterpillars almost in the sky. Yeah, they're like translucent yeah. caterpillars. Yeah, with glowing, and there's like two in the sky. So I thought they were it's like an alien attack. It was yeah. my take on it at that point, which I guess kaiju is that. Uh, and then the next one, you're on a train going back home, and everyone is still there. Well, that's probably not true. A lot of the people that you've seen throughout the game are still there, but people are covered in blood covered in bandages there's a um uh, a, i think it's a mother and her daughter with masks on sitting there in the train with you um and you're going around and it says take a picture of two people with masks yeah right i don't remember if this is this level or the other but people are ref- people are refugees now. yes yeah yeah, yeah. right so, that, that has been a, a clear shift yep so you're on there and then the last is it the last level mm, kind of the last real level. oh the metro level yeah. Right. Yeah. Where people are waiting in line to get, uh, I guess, back from the train is what it looks like. Uh, but it's the UN checkpoint. Yep. Um, where you are, you got the people in masks. You have your friends. You have the kind of the people who are breakdancing, punk group, graffiti group, and all the UN soldiers. I guess is what they are. I think there's something nice about well, not the checkpoint level, but the train level. Um, okay. Yeah. Is is photographing coffee cups. Yeah. And cereal, right? It's mostly food items. Right. And there's this return to the, this feeling of the essentials, the things you can't live without. Um, but documenting them. Yeah. And th- there's this real sense of documentation here. And less on art in the sense of like, ooh, I'm being fancy. Right. But much more of art in the sense that art has uh, political meaning. And that art moves us and changes us. Right. That's what's happening on this level. Um, right. Right. The colors are, are pretty uh, muted. Uh, in that level and it doesn't give you a chance to kind of show off some of your chops that you've been doing and it, it just has a very different feel because of that the whole level is very restrained it's it's kind of gorgeous yeah kind um, of finding the beauty and mediocrity of the norm well and we got to talk about uh stage eight yeah which is the the final boss level that i maybe did wrong oh because i'm looking at these screenshots oh never mind no no, no. i remember this level okay sorry would you do it wrong well i was thinking of the final final level. this is not the oh you're right yes okay so you're right. The, the final level of the uh, kind of the main story, at least of the battle is you're back on that original rooftop. Uh, it looks like your friends are kind of part. I don't, I don't remember them, but your friends are kind of where they were before hanging out. No one's a soldier. You're away from the UN and there's one on the horizon. It took me a while to notice this. It's definitely not the main part of it, but if you look on the horizon, you see a giant, I don't know, lizardy type kaiju alien thing on the right. King Kong Godzilla esque thing. And then on the left, you see three giant mechs uh, that are what, like Jaegers from whatever that movie is called um, that are coming into Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. And I meant, no, sorry, uh, Pacific Rim 2. Uh, oh, and, sorry. <laughs> and they're coming in to fight the kaiju. Uh, and then, yeah. Did you know that they're doing a, um, a third one? It's going to be a heist movie called The Pacific Rim Job. Wow. <laughs> so stupid. Do I have to bleep that? Yes. Okay, cool. It'll be even funnier bleeped, I think. That's so stupid. All right. Uh, And then you're right. There is one final level. I think it might be even post credits or some sort of epilogue where it's just kind of like this. It's I don't even remember what what my experience was. It's very stylized, very dark. I remember walking up this kind of 
glowing beach and seeing these two hologram type shiny figures and taking a picture of them. And as soon as you take a picture of something, the level ends. You're done. You get one picture. Yeah. And so mine was really similar. And it, it's, it, the sky is very bright, right? I think it's a deep red. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you see these two figures there. I assumed they were your friends. I thought uh, they were my earlier. parents. Maybe, maybe they're ghosts. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but framed perfectly between them is a giant kaiju. Yeah. And it's it's up on top of like a giant tower. Like it looks like it's standing on top of a skyscraper and almost protecting it. Uh, it looks kind of like a bird-like creature kind of sitting on top of a branch. And I just put my camera up, kind of slanted a little bit, took my picture, and it goes, click, done. And the yeah. level's done. Yeah. And it, which was, again, this is one of those things that I'm like, what a, good, what a good way to make that. Yeah. What a good way to just have a cap to a game. Yep. Um, so then I took a bit with it, let it rest, let it sit, let it marinate, and then a couple days later started up the DLC. Um, and the DLC is, I think, four levels. You start with uh, Gamer's Palace, uh, which is um, a arcade slash yeah. holographic strip joint. Strip club? Um, yeah. Strip club. Um, it's a fun. It's it's real fun. It's it's very cyberpunk. Very yeah. broke down future. Yeah. But it, it starts with two weeks before the invasion. Yeah, that's right. Right? Yeah. And so, so now you're seeing the world just before. And it's a really cool club. Uh, in fact, there... It's it's a club that has one section with a glass floor, and you can see that you're like forty stories up when you stand on it. Yeah, that's like really cool design stuff like that. Like, oh, just really fun. Next level is a hangar. The hangar is housing not airplanes, but Jaegers, giant mechs, Gundams, uh, Avas, whatever you want to call them. And there's some some wonderful things there. First off, you get to like jump on top of a mech to take some pictures. The uh, Every level, it shows you a postcard at the beginning, and you try to recreate that postcard during the level. Yeah. Did you recreate the postcard for Hangar? Oh, I no, yeah. Yep, I got all the way up there. It's insane. It's super high up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to climb all the way on top of one of the mech's, like, ears, basically. It's awesome. It's awesome. And then you, you take that picture. The last the last bounty I had to get on this level... Half heart. ...was um, half of a heart. And, yeah, half of a heart. And I searched forever, Dude. and I finally found it so and when long. you did it feels so good yeah because it feels good to find it but also it's it's in a um uh a barracks mm-hmm. in this hangar where all the soldiers are and it's hanging from the top bunk and it's a broken heart necklace right half heart so you know someone needs this but you can't take a picture of it without taking a picture of the people next to it yeah and one of them is sitting on the bed crying and the other is yelling at them screaming at them and you don't know what's happening you don't know yeah. there's no context there's no, there's no words and so, is is this part of the broken necklace? Right? Does one of them? Did one of them throw it away because their relationship is ending? Are is it one of these people in a relationship with someone else? Right. Or is this person yelling at them to get out there and fight a kaiju? Right. I don't know. But it was such a beautiful moment and a beautiful human moment that it kind of pushed you into with that locket. For sure. Um, that was great. Really good storytelling. Yeah. All right. So then, the depths. The depths is dope. I didn't this play this. This is where I stopped. I didn't play this one. Oh, this is the origin of the resistance. Oh, this is okay. where the Damn. rat where the rat queen is. What? And Tell me so more. yeah, you go explore this place. It was tough. This is where the word jerry can showed up. Oh, I okay. spent an hour gotcha. trying to find a jerry can. I'm glad I didn't pretend to know what you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah, good call. Oh yeah, the jerry cans. Cool. <sighs> Do we I will say uh, I know what a jerry can is though? So I, nice. that wouldn't have stumped me. I did not. 
Um, so some more good graffiti stuff. Um, it's it's a sewer kind of place that the resistance has kind of built up for themselves. And by resistance, I, that's like the wrong word because they're not necessarily fighting the cops. They're just trying to stay away. Yeah. They're just trying to keep underground and protect each other. Yeah. And so there are people, uh, somebody's got, got guns that they're giving out uh, and fixing. Somebody is doing um, free health care. Some of them is doing, like everybody kind of has oh, their place. Cool. And it's this, this kind of anarchist uh, colony. Um, well, it's not completely anarchist because you've got a rat queen. Uh, K-W-E-E-N. It's a monarchy. Yeah. Um, but but I think that she, she runs it pretty anarchically is my guess. Um, and then finally. Underground City. The, the last level, Underground City. And this is a protest. And you're clearly at the protest taking pictures. And this is the one where it explicitly tells you you cannot take pictures of protesters' faces. Which is something that people who went to protest jason and i learned pretty quickly last year 2020 yeah which yeah. Af- after what was it in may and june when we all took pictures and was just like post these to get the word out then people started yep. getting arrested and it was like oh shit let's take better photos nope. better video yeah, take better and then there was apps document this apps that quickly document came out that, uh, that blurred everyone's faces in, in video so you could still and then i mean there's some really genius development going on at the same time with that too yep and this is one of the larger levels uh of the whole thing and covered kind of head-to-toe in graffiti. And there's some great graffiti all over here. Like, I'm not going to spoil it. Just go explore these this world. Yeah, I will. Um, and then, uh, Ben, you haven't played this. No. I'm going to go ahead and not tell you what's going to happen. Then. Sweet. I will just say, say listener, good. there's a story here. Cool. And when you get the bounties done, the story moves forward. Nice. I, I, I will give you one tidbit that's not necessarily that. Each of these DLC levels in particular, you get a new um, ability, a new lens, a new something you can do something with. Yeah. The final thing you unlock is selfie cam. That's cool. And it's such a brilliant, beautifully placed thing. And it only unlocks as soon as you create, as soon as you finish the bounty. I got to finish this. And so, and then it gives you a chance to take some pictures during the last few moments there. But you can Uh, go back to previous levels and use this ability. And now you've got, now you've got selfie. I want to take a selfie with a kaiju. Well... That last level may give you some chances. I'm excited. I'm scared. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm glad we talked about this because I don't feel good while I'm playing it. Yeah. But I like this game a lot. Same. And getting to talk about it really raises it in my kind of ranking, in my my esteem. Um, I like this game a lot. It's yeah. really, really good. Yeah. I just re- let's do um, what's the drink, what's the song. But first, I just realized why you don't know what a jerry can is. And I did. Because you don't know it as much as me. There we go. <laughs> How does it feel? This game's pretty fun. You with frustration. When I was all done, I just had to question. What's the beer? What's the song? I can't always tell. I just want to know. What game is Westy 12? I went with 10 Tall Glass. Uh, from the first level uh, of the DLC, Gamer's Palace, we just talked about, uh, for my drink. And as J- I stole Jason's probably because Jason loves to choose the music and the drinks from in-game without having to choose something and like apply some metaphor to them. Uh, but the nicest thing about Ten Tall Glass is that it's it's not just a tall glass you can fill any assortment of beverage with. It's that there's ten of them. Because whether it's a Blue Lagoon or White Russian, it's always better to have ten. Yep. Or what's your drink? Uh, my drink is from uh, is a collaboration between Cranog uh, C R A N N O with an acute accent mark G Ales, 
Yep. And um, Boundary Brewing. This is Boundary Brewing in Kelowna and Cranagales in Sorrento. I don't know what country we're in. I don't know what's happening. Greece? Australia? Greece, Australia. But the name of the beer is not for Nazis. Nope. And uh, so it's, you got to check out some labels. It uh, looks real good. Uh, big old swastika on it, just with a, a, a no around it. It's the not for Nazis ale. And it's because the uh, the brewer started to get political. And um, like on Twitter or something. And like the Nazis came for him and were like, how oh, dare you say that perhaps people should have rights. Like he was doing it in like a real mild way. Like just like, oh, maybe this. And and I came from as he's like, oh, okay, I'm making a beer called Not for Nazis. Then you can't have it. Yeah. Uh, so Not for Nazis, Nut Brown Ale. I'll never have it because again, I don't know what country this is. Um, but sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, real quick, that reminds me. All I think of when I hear that is the Dead Kennedy song, Nazi punks fuck <laughs> off, and the guys, the, the band yes, from Green Room, and Green Room, which still gives me nightmares. Yeah. Oh my god, what a great scene though. I want to watch that movie again. Oh, I don't. I don't ever want to watch it again. Why would Captain Picard do that, Jason? Why would Captain Picard do that? And Ben, I am going to play my song for you, and I think it's four minutes long, and hopefully you'll just be okay listening to the whole thing with me, and we can just talk over it, hang out for a bit. Sure. I downshifted as I pulled into the driveway. The motor's screaming out, stuck in second gear. The scene ends badly, as you might imagine. In a cavalcade of anger and fear, there will be So have you never heard the song, Ben? I don't know the song. Oh, great song. Who is it? One of my favorites. Who is it? Uh, it's uh, the Mountain Goats. Questions. Yeah. I really like the song a lot. Right? Um, downshifting into the driveway, the scene uh-huh. ends badly. So I'm like, oh, downshifting, could it could mean either you're slowing down. Right. As you're legally required to do in the state of California when you're slowing down in a stick shift. Or it could mean you're getting more torque to ram into your living room. The scene ends badly, as you might imagine, in but a cavalcade of anger and fear. The, the like a dinner in Jerusalem or something. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. That's oh, a different. Separate. Like, okay, that's, okay. that's a separate thought. Okay. Uh, but let me let me get you there in a second. So he stole his stepfather's car to go on a date with a girl named Kathy. Right. Twin high maintenance machines. God, that line that's is so good. That's a great line. Oh, one of my favorites ever. That's good. He's imagining the look on his stepfather's face when he gets home. Yeah. He downshifts into the driveway. The car screams out, stuck in second gear. So it's it's not doing what he wants it to right, do. Right, okay. He's probably trying to get it into first. Right. And to use first as he downshifts to slow him down. Sure. But it grinds. So he's grinding the gear, and he's not slowing down. Now, we, I love the line because it's, the scene ends badly, as you might imagine, in a cavalcade of anger right. and fear. He runs into his house. That's one imagination, right? Awesome. He ruins, he ruins the clutch. Right. Is another. Oh yeah, he just is super loud at night or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He, he's super loud, and his his stepfather comes out and, and hits him. Yeah. Right. There's there's a sense of fear about this stepfather. Right. Right. We assume he's abusive. Yeah. Um. It's a a beautiful and I love that he says as you might imagine. Right. It's yeah. like well, where you knew it downshifts and you're like oh no yeah yeah I'm not I'm not going to tell you my sob story. Right. You get to imagine it. It's going to hurt more. Yeah. Um. There will be feasting and dancing in Jerusalem next year. So. Something that happens every Passover is at the end of Passover, people say, next year in Jerusalem. Oh, right. And it's always, it's, is it optimistic? Is it pessimistic? 
Optimistic. I always right. thought it was optimistic. How is it pessimistic? How many years have you done this? I mean, I've only been to two Passovers. But but no, no, no. <laughs> it was said for for ideally hundreds of years, right? The idea is that you are exiled. And so 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 next year in Jerusalem always has to feel like, well, you get you get three or four of those. Right. And then we start to realize, you know, is this are you wishing it to happen? Are you willing it to happen? Right. And it's the same feeling as I'm going to make it through this year if it kills me. Yeah. That same kind of twist and feel of it could do both. And I will encourage you to watch the lyrics. I pasted the, or watch the video. I oh, pasted cool. the link in there. But it's um, it opens with a person being drugged into a house, bound up and gagged. And it's clearly um, they've got weapons. Uh, the, the captors have weapons and are holding this person hostage. And it's the lead singer who is held hostage. And they put him in front of the mic and make him sing the song. And he's going to make it. Through this year. And and he's bleeding from his head as he's screaming out the lyrics. Jeez. And at one point, one of the captors in a ski mask walks up and holds hands him an iced coffee. And he has just this great deadpan look. And he, he like his I I think he can't even ha- get it. I think his hands are tied. Yeah. And he, he just he looks at the guy and is just like, No. Yeah. What? Yeah. No. Nice the, cap- the the captor kind of just shrugs and, and like walks off. Uh, with the ice, but it was like, well, you're a star, so you would need this, right? No, all right, all right. Uh, and at the end, it just ends with like, every, like twenty different people in like a big group shot. Some of them wearing masks, some of them not. One of the captors at one point rips off his mask, yeah. But you can't tell if it, that means he's going to kill them. Like right, it's this, right. this real foreboding scene, um, but also joyful as they're just like cutting up things in this house that they're they've taken over. Yeah. Um, so it's it's uh, and. Uh, Mountain Goats, good, good band. Also, their lead singer, good follow on Twitter. I would recommend. Nice. All right, I'll check it out. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, I went with Yoshimi Battles, The Pink Robots, Part One, of course, by The Flaming Lips, one of the greatest songs ever written. Uh, <clears throat> uh, there are a lot of meanings to this song. I actually looked up, like, went to song meanings and was like, what are they actually trying to say here? Uh, apparently, it's often thought of as a metaphor, as a fight against cancer, uh, a, a fight against depression or living with depression, I guess. Uh, and I like to think that the the deepest and most meaningful interpretation of the song could just be the literal reading of the lyrics, which is a girl named Yoshimi has to take a lot of vitamins to defeat the evil machines. Like, it's pretty straightforward. I don't know why we're fighting about what this song could mean. But then the metaphor begins after the song lyrics are literal when you apply it to this game where the machines are actually the man-made evil sent from the government to protect us from the evil they themselves created in the first place. Not only the kaiju and the mechs from the game in the last level that we talked about, but also circling back around to climate change, pandemic prevention, all the stuff we talked about earlier. Uh, Yeah, so Yoshimi is the one protecting all of us. So thank you for taking your vitamins. So she's taking lots of vitamins Cause she knows that Second best song on, song on one of the greatest albums ever. Oh, so, wow. Wow. That's probably true, actually. Do you realize what the greatest song has been? <sighs> I do have the most beautiful face. Oh, I love that song. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, Recommendation Station. Recommendation Station to get good ideas on what to watch or listen to. 
I think I'm going to start off with Gravity Falls. We talked a lot about it. I don't need to talk more about it, but we've well, I've watched almost two full seasons in the last two, three weeks. Really, really good. Uh, and then also been playing Far Cry 5 with Tyler a bunch because I think we've only played once so far, but it was a good time. We're going to play more. Uh, Invite me. I want to come. Maybe, well, and Jason might be there next time, but it's oh, online man. co-op. Co-op campaign. That was the cool thing it's, about it. We're like, oh, it's pronounced Coop. Coop campaign. Coop Campagna. Uh, which is really fun. Uh, I don't know exactly how it works. We haven't played through like half the game yet or anything, but um, just like being able to progress the story with a friend online is super fun. And then uh, the game I've put the most time into the past couple weeks has been Last of Us 2, man. It finally went on sale, bought it up on PS5. Boom. It is gorgeous. I thought God of God of War. I thought God of 5. God of 5? I thought God of War was beautiful on PS5. Last of Us 2, man. There, there's some photorealistic cutscenes that are just amazing. I get it. I talked Tyler's playing through uh Last of Us 1 now. He's gonna catch up eventually, but um he just got his PS5 recently too, so he's jumping in. But he has a similar thing I think you said, which is like the game slogs. Like like the story. If you like, like obviously Walking Dead came out around the same time as Last of Us, and it was like, oh, the whole like zombie thing is really fun and cool. Um I don't love that aesthetic and that kind of that lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't like not, I'm just like not super into it. I don't love the walking dead. I don't love whatever zombie movies. Uh, but for whatever reason, last of us Two at the father daughter thing, love that. Uh, and it just like from the very beginning, just rips your heart out and just kind of keeps pulling on your heartstrings throughout the whole game. Uh, and then this game does the same thing where it, it obviously is like, it's what it's the, the game of Thrones thing where it's like, Oh, you like this character? Let me have them talk about oh. the thing they're going to do tomorrow right before they get murdered. So, and it plays with that a little bit where it's like, Oh crap, this person's talking about what they want to eat for breakfast. I know they're going to die and then they almost die and they don't or whatever. So it plays with that a little bit, but the, the game where it's logs, sorry, going back to that is cool story, but intermixed is like, I have to get to that building a mile away. Oh no, the bridge is out. I have to go through these 20 buildings just to get to that one thing to like have this cutscene. So what I do is I put it on easy mode and then just kind of like breeze through those. I sometimes even just like run through the battles get to the next cutscene, uh but it's the closest i've come i was telling tyler about this the other day or it's the closest i've come to like playing a really fun book it's not like playing this amazing like story of like philosophical differences and heartbreaks and stuff or whatever or like even this amazingly written novel but it's really just like world war z or something that's just like a really fun page turner that's like you can play for a couple hours and this one lets you play that really fun page turner Super bloody, super gory, uh, hyper-realistic in some parts, but it's just a really, really satisfying story, I thought. So, nice. Anyway, I talked nice. to you too long about it, but that's consumed my life the past few weeks, other than no, this No, good for so, you. Really you should have been playing Hitman 3. And I played a lot of Hitman 3 before so that. I made you some contracts. Yeah, you did. I got to get I want to play with you. And then, yeah. What about you? Uh, my recommendation, recommendation station... Actually, my recommendation, right? This is the station. I just We're at the it. station. The, the trains pulled station. in, yeah. Choo choo. Yeah. I, what I've been playing lately is actually uh, Bravely Second, which is the sequel to Bravely Default, uh, a Nintendo 3DS game. Oh, okay. Um, and it is just the ultimate JRPG in terms of oh my gosh, just that... mechanics. Don't don't care about the story. Don't wow. care about the story at all. Right? Like it's I, I and Ben, this is the game I showed you when I, I was going to show off the 3D on the uh, 3DS for you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's some chibi art for the characters. 
the story is just a um, Final Fantasy ripoff. That's exactly where what it's it like looks just like, touching yeah. the high notes. That's it's, all it's doing. It's like ah, there's crystals, and the the crystals have always been defended by the crystal uh, regency. But the heretics of the yeah, monsters coming anyway. But what it does well is it, there's a simple battle mechanic, turn based combat. But every turn, instead of attacking, you can defend. But it's called defaulting. And every time you do that, you get an extra turn. And so you can bank up to four of them. And then you get special things that you can stack on top of each other. So one thing that always bugged me, this is easy, in a Final Fantasy, um, let's say one of my characters has gotten knocked out. Mm. Well, I can use some Phoenix down and bring them back up. The second I do, i got to wait till another turn, though. Right. Because they've got like 10 health now. And so I bring them back up. They die. And then the monster kills them. Right. And I bring them back up, and the monster... It's, it's this awful cycle. Yeah. Right? But if I wait till after the fight, they don't get any XP. So oh, what do I do? Gotcha, gotcha. Well, what if you could string two turns together? Then I can defend for two turns, throw some Phoenix down on them, throw, throw a potion on them. Boom. They're back up to full health. Should it be called Phoenix Up? Have we talked about this? <laughs> we have. Good. So, yes. the, um, you can also brave, which is taking up turns... So there's braving and defaulting. The game is called Bravely Default. There we go. That's the whole game. Uh, brave is when you take a turn that's not yours. Meaning I can do four turns this time. That means I don't get another turn for four rounds. So how, how many can you w- link together? Four max. Four. Four is a nine. Okay. So what you the strategy for boss fights usually is defend for four turns and then attack for four turns, break, attack for four turns. Gotcha. So like use up like eight in a row basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With like one pause in between. I gotcha. Because you can go four in debt and you can have four right, positives. Right, right, right. And then what it'll do will be some of there's there's a huge class system where there's like twenty different jobs that you can get. Mm. And so it could be like white mage, black mage, warrior, fencer, ninja, all this stuff. And then some of them will have special powers that they get by multiply the attack by one times how many times have you attacked this turn? Oh well now that I'm doing it four times. Okay. Almost one now it'll time. go like one hit, double hit, triple hit, quadruple hit. Whoa! Okay, that's a smart one, nice. right? Yeah, yeah. Then somebody will have one where every time they have a status effect, every time you know they get poisoned, they get blinded, they get whatever, silenced, um, they gain one of these bravery points. Mm-hmm. Right? You can set that up as one of their uh, statuses. Yeah. So by the end of the first one, what I had was all of them had that. I would start every battle with have my my mage poison everyone in my party then have my mage cure everybody in my party do that four times now they've got a full bank of their stuff because every time they took a status effect they gained one bravery point and now just to start off i got four to go with and i just annihilate 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 that's cool and it's the most like mechanically satisfying finding things it's a completely broken game oh it doesn't want you to do that no no in the sense that you know how uh you can find things in cyberpunk where, um, oh, this gun is broken because it just kills everyone and then you win. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. This game is broken and it knows it and it doesn't care. Okay. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you all these tools. If you can figure out the right combination, you can beat anything. Yeah. And it knows it so well that by the last boss, you have to get 999,000 or 900 or 9,999 uh, damage on every hit. Jeez. And you have to unlock multi-hits so that you're hitting, attacking three times per one of those bravery points and doing all four bravery points at a time. So the whole thing is broken, and yet you have to do it that way to raise the stakes. The first game ends, and it's this brilliant thing, spoiler for, for Bravely Default, where 
it tells you it's constantly pointing at the idea that other people are playing this game and you can mm-hmm. like uh share your character right like do your biggest attack and then send it out and somebody else can use that in theirs oh that's cool well by the end of it you discover a multiverse Oh, and it says everyone's you're, doing that. That's so hot right now, right? This, but this was 2014 or so. Okay, and so so then it says, by the way, you're the only one that's made it this far. You need to pull together all the friends you made along the way, all these things, and you need to fight because this is the one timeline where it can work. Which is why you have to have these preposterous broken mechanics, where suddenly right. your guy is like just cheating, and it's like, well, you figured out the cheat, right. so you got to do it. Now that's not true, right. right? Right, right. And then it starts showing you, and and the character goes. Jason, Jason, I need, I need you to help. And suddenly the camera that is used on the 3DS to read your eyes so that it can do the 3D appropriately pulls your face onto the game and shows you in the background while you're playing. What? It's wild. It's so good. That's pretty cool. It's really fun. That reminded me, uh, real quick, of, of Gwent, obviously, because everything does. Totally. Um, totally. Once, once you in in the um, whatever the game Gwent was based off of, Something three, The Witcher three, uh, which by the way apparently is coming out next month for PS five, like a uh, remastered oh, edition. Nice. Very excited for that. Um, but yeah, Gwent in that by the like I don't know tenth hour of just playing Gwent, there are some like cheats where you're like, okay, I have this card, I can kind of beat anyone or whatever. Yes. Or these certain strategies, but once you play Gwent online, which I did a lot in 2020, uh, it's similar where you like you find your type of people, your type of cards, and you have like your really good cards in that area, and you start destroying. And then once a month, it comes out with a new patch. Sometimes more often than that. And because there's tens of thousands, or maybe hundreds of thousands, I don't know how many millions. There's two billion people playing this. I don't Some, know. Something to bal- balance out the uh, current meta. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, however many people playing this game, they are they constantly are changing and patching this game so that whatever card yeah. was like. 10 XP is now 2 XP. And it was like, that was my go-to card that I won games with is now worth nothing. Or like, this card can come back alive four times, can't do it at all. Or something that's just like, every month it's like a new game. And that's that's what got me out of that game is getting rid of the the things that, they weren't like cheats, but they were like, oh, that's my strategy that I worked 20 hours on that now that card doesn't mean anything anymore. So, yeah. So yeah, that's the usual way of fixing these games. Yeah. When When they made Bravely Default, they were like, what if we taught them that they're going to have to just use cheats? Yeah. They're going to have to find really cheap ways to cheese bosses. And build that into we're going to make game. bosses that are so good yeah. that you're going to, you just have to cheese multiple times. Right, right, right. Like to get through it. That's awesome. And it ends up being really fun. But that wasn't the game I was talking about. It was Bravely Second. Yes. Uh, which you may have thought I was talking about Bravely Default 2, which would make sense. That's actually the third in the series. Uh, Bravely Second for the Nintendo DS. Uh, 3ds um anyway it's been fun it's great it's the same thing but again uh don't think about it it's fine sweet, sweet, sweet. um but the other thing i want to recommend uh because occasionally we read books is ken Liu's the grace of kings mm-hmm. uh it was uh described to me as uh game of thrones except based on chinese history rather than european history it's by the translator of the three three body problem uh, he's also done some sci- sci-fi short stories himself, Ken Liu, um, and it's really good. I bought it in Portland when I was visiting Ben, and I started reading it on the way home, and I love it. It's amazing. Sweet. Um, I like it. I like it better than Game of Thrones so far because a lot of times Game of Thrones just felt like, and now we're going to kill the character you like. Yeah. And I know that we're going to lose some people along the way. That was but also happening tell- in like 1999. Like it was right. not like people right, right. people didn't write books before then, but you know what I mean. Like it's a little different 
because Game of Thrones is just so massive because of the show now. Yeah. But yes. Yep. Um, but but you can tell, you know, you can tell from the the first thing it's like, we're being dark. And this one is not that. This one has such a sense of fun. And I know they're going to kill, kill off characters that I love. It's a fantasy uh, epic, you know, there's going to be like six books or whatever. I think they've got three out. Um, but it's it's really fun. That's cool. It's really good. And I like the world that, that he's made. It's it's great to live in. 1996, sorry, was Game of Thrones. Anyway. All right, anything else before we leave the station? Uh, developer spotlight time. Let's leave the station. Choo choo. All right, developer spotlight. So, uh, Blendo Games is uh, Brendan Chung's uh, game production company. We've talked about a couple of their games before. Uh, 30 Flights of Lovin' is like a half hour long, hour long experience. I highly recommend it. It's super fun, super stylized. He makes, I should say, he makes all of his games in, I believe, the Doom 3 engine. So, they're all open source and, oh, they're really fun. And yeah, 30 Flights of Lovin', great. Really fun experience. Just love this game. Then he did Quadrilateral Cowboy, which is up there on one of my favorite games of all time. It's probably uh, on the top 20 list. Um, sorry, it's definitely on the top 20, probably on the top 10. Um, it's a, a hacker game where you, you know, for basically for programmers, it's a video game for programmers because all of this is like setting up heists and things like that uh, by programming in this cool cyberpunk alternate universe uh, where it's like steampunk cyberpunk. Oh, it's so wild. And so this new one uh, that just got um, nice. through the, I think it was through the Annapurna uh, look ahead, uh, a new trailer dropped and it's called Skin Deep. And so it starts with pirates have been kidnapping cats from our spaceships. And so we are hiring you to get the pirates. It's like, what, what more pure quest could there be than to protect cats from pirates? This is perfect. And then it's this... Um, it's it's this great kind of immersive sim where like you can you can defeat the other people in any way you want and we're giving you all of these different tools and yes you've got guns but also here's a way to kill somebody without a gun here's a way to get past this problem without killing someone here's a way to do this with just that great Brennan Chunk humor um, so I love these games I could not be more excited oh, okay. for Skin Deep it's going to be great uh, and it's uh, again distributed by Annapurna who just had a big uh, showcase last week. Uh, if you missed it, go check it out. But there's some good-looking games coming down the pike, including uh, one from the developers of Stanley Parable and um, Gone Home. So that could be nice. Things that we all like. Yeah, it looks so cool. Molf in the news! Molf in the news! Sweet! And then we have Molf in the news... And the biggest thing is probably Psychonauts 2 comes out in a couple weeks, uh, August 25th, 2021. So we will be playing that. I think that's going to be our November game. So yes, I think we mapped it out. So we have our Halloween game this month. It's actually going to come out at the beginning of October. We're actually going to time it right rather than like, hey, it's Halloween. Play our Halloween game next week. (laughs) So this time everyone can play the, the scary Halloween game all of October, the week of Halloween before after it'll be great so uh and yeah we're gonna have a special guest on for that one but next month before our halloween game our september game is going to be going under Corey's pick what do you know about this game jay anything i started playing it oh um, nice it, tell me it it looks um it, there's some roguelike stuff it's um go fight some stuff and then fail 
and then come back and then start again and fight some more stuff. It's very conscious of this, and it's got a kind of self-conscious humor about you're a, an intern at a tech startup, and so it's it's all about how you're just constantly beating your head against the wall for you know very little uh, reward. Um, it seems funny and fun. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't totally into the combat yet, but we'll see. It'll, it may hook me. Um, Hades was definitely the game that got me to just absolutely adore this style. Um, but um, yeah, I think I think it seems fun and, and nice. A satirical dungeon crawler is what satirical it's Satirical dungeon crawler. I'm excited for that. So yeah, available on Steam. I know it was on sale a couple days ago. Uh, it'll probably go on sale again, but check it out. As always, I want to shout out to David Botluck uh, for being a podcast producer. Thank you again, David. Uh, if you would like to help produce this podcast, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Molmf, M-O-L-M-F. And thank you so much to Andrea Lencioni uh, for uh, not only supporting us on Patreon, but reaching out, asking us a couple questions about where she can find us, oh, and, and just connecting about uh, Bay Area um, nostalgia and living close to Skywalker Ranch and good old George Lucas being able to feel his force energy. Um, where am I going with this? I don't know. But anyway, if you want to reach us, uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, I'm sure all of you do. Check us out. Our website is menoflowmallfiber.com. You can find us on Twitter, where we're probably most active, at MOLFPOD, M-O-L-M-F-P-O-D. And you can email us at MOLFPOD at gmail.com, M-O-L-M-M-P-O-D at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. And I am a mighty pirate. And I'm just a kid in a mixed-up world. Is that from one of the graffitis? One of the graffitis. Oh, so good. A graffito. Uh, thank you. Because graffiti is already plural. Cool.